All right, everyone, welcome back to the state of NF Terra. In today's interview, I'm joined by Uncle Devo. He's one of the co-founders over at Dystope AI. We were just speaking beforehand how in my previous podcast with Lunatic Station, how Dystope AI was one of the one of my final interviews before the collapse of Terra. But today we're looking to change that uh, bad that bad news streak after the fact, and uh, I'm sure we'll have some positive alpha coming out of Devo today. So thank you so much for joining me, and yeah, how are you, sir? Rick, it's it's good to chat. It's been a while, and um, yeah, just like we were saying, onwards and upwards from here. I'm sure all our interviews in the future as well uh, on a positive note as well. Uh, I'm sure Matic won't collapse. <laughs> just we're gonna just reverse the interview. we're gonna reverse the curse today. Okay. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> so, just quickly give us all an introduction into yourself. How'd you get into crypto NFTs? The general the general overview. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I first sort of seriously spent some time, uh, in crypto in 2017. Um, but to be honest, didn't know as much as I do now. Um, so, you know, after I lost a bunch of money in 2017 or just, you know, um, sort of petered out because of study and work, uh, only found myself coming back into it, uh, around 2020. Um, so I was working in consulting and then at a think tank and one of the you know, central questions that, you know, clients in government would ask us was around sharing power. Like, how can we decentralize power? How can we, uh, you know, use communities' voices and and so on to shape policy? Um, And what was happening in DAOs was really interesting to me. Um, I had a background in law. And so this whole code is law thing, you know, whether or not you agree with it or not, um, it was really interesting to me at the time. So I sort of dived down into the rabbit hole that way, um, you know, learn more about Ethereum, about Terra, about Solana, about a bunch of different chains, uh, and eventually, um, sort of, yeah, saw, saw the real use case for NFTs, um, and the real innovation and in communities you can build, uh, the innovation there. Uh, so yeah, we, we packed up and, uh, moved over to Terra. We sort of used some of our shared experience uh, as a team of three in AI in ML, um, community building and storytelling uh, to create this AI-generated NFT project called Dystope AI uh, and have been full-time at it um, since the start of this year. uh, And then we launched it a few months before that. So we're working publicly on it uh, October 2021. Um, So since then, uh, learning more and more about the Polygon world, uh, always something I've been interested in, uh, but now... Uh, like you guys are at Gravidal, moving over with One Planet to Polygon, and uh, yeah, really excited, man. I'm, I'm feeling mm-hmm. really good um, about the move and everything. So, really excited to chat and to to get into it. Yeah, that's great to hear. And I think we actually have a pretty similar rabbit hole. I feel when it comes to the crypto space, I was very skeptical, and I did a report in uh, some government policy related work. And that's how I discovered Web three, and that's how I got into it. But I was very skeptical until. I just saw the general mood shift with COVID and, and how people were interacting in an online setting. And that's when I really clicked to me that trustless decentralized mechanisms are, are definitely warranted seeing how people react and everything there. And then moving on, you know, it's great. It's great to see you guys uh, building in the space, rebuilding. 
we want to get into Dystope AI, and I'm incredibly excited to be speaking or be talking about some of the AI-generated artwork because we are seeing some of those things, uh, such as Dolly. Dolly is one example, and then there's another one called Midland, I think. And people have just been blowing up with these all these really cool renderings and creations, and the work that you've done with Dystope AI is also looks fantastic. So you mind just giving an overview of what Dystope AI, Dystope AI is? Uh, how do the NFTs play into this? How does the whole lore play into this? What was the vision that you guys set out to create here? Yeah, for sure. Um, so initially, like it was quite easy to market ourselves as, you know, the AI project, because uh, what we were doing was, you know, pretty new and still is to this day. But really what we try and do in our central mission is to explore storytelling through cutting edge technology. Uh, and now we've expanded, you know, past AI to also work on AR, um, sort of working on VR as well, uh, and different you know, 3D modeling, metaverse type aspects too. Um, but I guess the lore is really central to our to our collection and to our project. So we started in January, mid-January of this year um, by launching the Genesis collection, which were 750 NFTs uh, that were all AI generated that told a story uh, of a universe after the moon had disappeared. <laughs> and it's uh, a bit of a <laughs> bit on the nose now. Um, but yeah, there were five regions, each with their own sort of um, unique characteristics and creatures. Uh, and we used text to generate the images for that collection uh, and hid some secrets in there as well. What we then did uh, was allow people to create their own monthly morphs uh, if they held these NFTs. But uh, what we hinted at from the start was that these would have utility. And together with the law, uh, we were sort of hinting very heavily at what that might be, the protagonists. Uh, so then in May, uh, we finally you know, launched to the public the defenders of Disturb AI, who are the protagonists that have come to save the world from the apocalypse. Uh, so you know, we, we did AI-generated AI collaborative comics and things like that to, to announce the release and some cool videos. Um, and essentially, these these defenders are 3D characters that are playable in different metaverses and games. They're interoperable. But the cool part is using the monthly morphs that you generate with the Genesis collection, you can actually reskin what your defender looks like with, with AI. So you can burn that monthly morph and um, you're able to create um, you know, your own armor for your defender. So mm. if you type in, you know, like... A, psychedelic trees or something that'll pop up on the defender and uh you know you can sort of make it your own so in that way we were really working hard at you know allowing for this collaboration allowing for this sort of um unique user-driven storytelling using ai um sorry is my connection okay mm -hmm. just chopped up yep okay um so, so that's where that's where our project is sitting at the moment. But we're continually sort of exploring how to, um, you know, push the push the limits of of what we're doing technology wise, but then also deeply explore the storytelling component as well. So, um, I think the focus for us uh, over the next few months as well will be to get back into the storytelling aspect and to tell the story of the defenders in the universe and uh, unravel a bit more of the secrets that we've uh, put in the Genesis collection too. Yeah, I love how you guys have that 
you started out as this AI generated artwork. You're also shifting to AR and VR and exporting your assets out, which I think is something that is really unique to Dystope AI and that you aren't bogging yourself down on, for example, putting yourself on a deadline to create a game. You're just, you're, you're solely being able to focus on the core foundation of what you want to focus on with how you want the defenders to present themselves, how you want the five regions to plan out and lay out. And then also just a side note, the AI generation boom that's occurred. I mean, first off, this dope AI looks beautiful. It, it looks gorgeous. And I just, I'm so mind blown every time I look at these things, because it is really just shocking to me how we are essentially giving an algorithm, um, the ability to create these incredible looking worlds and landscapes. And it, it really empowers people's imagination beyond anything that I think I, I would ever see it, it. It's it's really weird. It's just this novel novel innovation nowadays, and we're seeing it pop up more and more in the mainstream. But it's getting so good. Um, it's really I really look yeah. forward to seeing how it keeps on going and uh, what people come up with because it really just enables anyone to come out there. If you as long as you can type up a few words, I mean, that's that's the barrier to entry there. And uh, I really really look forward to seeing how this exports and how people go with it and how the lore continues to flesh out. I want you to just quickly set the stage for everyone here. Where were you guys before Terra V1 collapsed? What was the current innovation at the time? What were you focused on? And then we'll get to the collapse itself. But I, one of the big things of the state of NFT is that we want to show how your communities bounce back and how your projects bounce back from this. So let's just start with the timeline. Let's say a couple of weeks before the, the crash, the great, the great collapse of the moon. The great collapse. Yeah. Um, so we were heads down working on, towards the mint of the defenders. So mm -hmm. for context for everyone, uh, we minted late on May the 8th, uh, which was when the first sort of just after the first depegging had occurred and, um, you know, Luna had lost its you know, lost, you know, about 30% of its, um, you know, value maybe on the 7th or the 6th. So it was rocky time. So two weeks out, we were still working on Defenders. Um, we were trying to ship um, some of the AR demos that we used for AR scavenger hunts, uh, as well as sort of, you know, negotiate with some partners like Metaverse integrations and things like that. Um, that it was really heads down, I suppose. And, you know, the fun part about that is always like the community engagement piece. So mm -hmm. we were doing things like streaming on Twitch and playing games and, um, you know, doing some cool collaborations like that. So two weeks out from the collapse, it was pretty busy. Like it was sleepless even before the crash. And then when the crash hit, like, yeah, that was another level of um, sleeplessness. So mm -hmm. it was pretty funny timing. I think in hindsight, you know, like, you know, it, when when the crash hit, we were, you know, a little disappointed, um, you know, that, you know, it, it happened with the Mint. And so, like, you know, it, it gave us this feeling of anxiety and, you know, oh, should we have rushed to Mint earlier so this didn't happen? But, you know, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, and we're in a good place now. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think just to set the scene, we were in the middle of launching the defenders uh, at the mm -hmm. time. I also wanted to note from my previous comment that the whole aspect of being able to put the AI generated skins on defenders is awesome too. And I really look forward to seeing how that gets input into a lot of metaverses. But yeah, it is tough because especially, I know Dystope AI was a, caught up in a lot of drama at the time. We don't have to go into the details of that, but <laughs> the Terra NFT space was dealing with a lot of interesting characters. 
trying to figure out what the best way is for it. Was your mint the day of the crash? Uh, just the day before. So the initial oh. depegging was like uh, before our mint. Uh, and then we were minting into the crash. So as it was happening. Um, I think the thing to highlight really, like when I look back at it now, is we like you know we didn't mint out i think it would have been ridiculous if we minted out because people were losing um you know people had to act quickly right mm -hmm. and um you know to 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 what's best for them but i think the amount of support shown from the community to to still participate to still uh be active um even when things were looking you know a bit unsteady was really meaningful and so you know throughout throughout the depegging throughout you know the aftermath of the depegging as well like it was I, I think the focus for us was on our external communication and just sort of keeping people updated letting people know that we weren't going anywhere and um you know <laughs> absconding um after after terror had crashed but um yeah i mean it, it, I, I won't lie it was definitely a crazy time mm -hmm. yeah it, it was an insane time I couldn't even imagine that your project literally was launching or you're, you're launching your Genesis, your, the, not the Genesis Mint, but the, uh, the Defenders Mint at the time. That is, <laughs> I couldn't imagine the amount of stress you guys are putting yourself under because of that. I mean, you don't know whether this thing is going to survive in a week from now, what's going to happen next, are they going to relaunch, all of that. Uh, so how, how was the communication though with your community? How was your community reacting? And were people generally open-minded and just kind of going with the flow? Because... I guess it was tough at the time to really know what was going to happen next, seeing what, was, what all was going on. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, the community was super supportive. I think, you know, definitely we were stressed out, but the fact that community were understanding of what uh, was happening, that we were able to take um, sort of liberties with um, what we could communicate and when. So like mm -hmm. for context, um, we were involved with a few other builders, chatting to them and sort of understanding you know what our next moves were with one planet uh with other blockchains uh you know that that week of the crash and the week after as well um and so some of these things were confidential too and so we we stressed to our community that you know we were definitely doing things but you know not everything we were doing we could talk about for legal right. reasons um and so you know they understood that and so i think it was just reassuring them you know that that we were building reassuring them that we wouldn't be going anywhere answering questions we could answer um and they they were just so supportive like um really trusting us and putting their faith in us um and not you know uh <laughs> like I, I could imagine it'd be so stressful for them as well right like this is a, this was such a stressful time for everyone but mm. to have a really strong community back us was i think the difference from um you know it being super stressful like i think we felt uh, on the whole quite supported which was really nice that's great to hear and i am curious now to, to hear a little bit about that time two to three weeks four weeks after when the conversation begin about potentially moving over to polygon i know you've mentioned some of the recovery plan earlier in, in the uh, call but yeah could you just walk us through the entire recovery plan and, and just a, a general outline yeah, for sure. So we love the One Planet team. Um, so you know, we would we would you know because we minted uh, with them uh, because we moved and you know the drama you were alluding to was us mm -hmm. sort of moving to to One Planet after 
um, sort of not feeling satisfied with the conduct of, you know, some people from the other marketplace who were supposed to mentor. So there was drama on drama. But, you know, the One Planet team, to their credit, is is super professional. I think um, it's so reassuring to see in such a new space, like these, these great builders, super professional, kind, um, and innovative people uh, working for them. So I, I think that was a, a huge positive for us. And so as as terror was crashing we were in contact with them you know the you know few weeks after as well we would talk openly about um plans for migration the status of the you know rebirth of terror as well and you know what our thinking was about you know leaving versus staying uh, about cosmos versus evm chains and and so on i think you know Obviously, coming from Terra, like we have a soft spot for Cosmos. Like mm-hmm. I was at uh, OsmoCon in Texas, and I'm still up to date with you know what's happening in that universe as well. But you know, we had to be realistic about um, sort of you, you, you know the need for or, or the difficulty of coming to a new chain where maybe there's not so much activity or maybe there's not so many uh, users as well. So I think like to, to put it um, quite simply, it was relative to their market cap, the funds that are invested in them, the infrastructure and the overall ecosystem at Polygon, the NFT ecosystem in particular was still in its early stages of growth. Um, so you'd see these big industry players, so partnerships with Stripe or Twitter, um, you know, Meta, Facebook, and Animoca brands, um, but you know there was a huge opportunity to grow the Polygon NFT system, uh, and that requires a community. It requires, you know, an identity for the NFT ecosystem, and then also a vision for the ecosystem that's actually unique to Polygon. Mm-hmm. And you know that's one of the reasons why Solana has thrived in the past. Um, they've got their own native marketplace, so they can highlight what it is about Solana NFTs that make them unique. Like, you know, Magic Eden is still doing well despite OpenSea playing in the same space and, you know, um, selling Solana NFTs too. Um, so so these are the big things um, that, that showed there was an opportunity uh, to go to Polygon. And it was clear that One Planet was clearly vying to play in that space too. And so, you know, they had the support of Polygon Studios. They had the support of, of Polygon, so it was right from the top, um, and so really it was the size of that opportunity, the the quality of the projects that were going over, and then how it just really helped our project as well. Like technically, the metaverse platforms that were available on Polygon or that use Polygon um, was huge. There were more games building there that we could integrate the defenders with, and so on. And I think that'll just get better and better uh, as, you know, ETH scales. Uh, Polygon also builds up some more scaling solutions as well. So, yeah, it was like a technical opportunity. Uh, it was definitely like a commercial opportunity as well. Um, but then also it, it, it's really um, under underestimated, like the power of working with a partner you trust. And mm. I think, you know, One Planet, but even Gravidao, the Hellcats, like all of these projects that are moving over, um, we have very close ties to. And so that sense of community remains. And, you know, I think we're now the largest contingent of Terra NFT projects to move to a, a blockchain, to still be in contact with each other. Um, 
you know, to still, um, you know, bounce ideas for events and collaborations together. That spirit of collaboration still exists, which, you know, what I was so scared of losing. Um, and so for Polygon to have that is, is a big win for me. Mm-hmm. It's been amazing sitting in that group chat and seeing how everyone's helping each other with spaces, giveaways, whatever they can do to, to promote each other's projects and stay in touch and contact. And yeah, it is interesting how you mentioned that this could be a very defining moment for Polygon NFTs because you have 50 plus projects moving over, collections moving over with One Planet to the Polygon ecosystem. And everyone knows of the Ethereum, obviously of OpenSea and Random Earth, or not Random Earth, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the other big one. But you have, you have a bunch of pretty well-known NFT marketplaces on Ethereum. Then Solana kind of took over that place as gas fees were everyone's biggest complaint. People who were coming in didn't want to pay $200 to purchase an NFT. And so they went over to Solana, which is quote unquote had cheaper fees. Um, and then a lot of people were saying that Terra, Terra's NFT community is going to be the next frontier for a lot of people to move over because then it was going to have greater integration with fiat on and off ramps just because of the relation of, of UST. But obviously that didn't quite happen, but we're still seeing that spirit of innovation moving forward and moving on. And we're seeing all these projects come over to Polygon. Really, I'm excited to see how this culturally plays out and how this is going to help bolster the community. I think a lot of the ethos behind One Planet is very similar to what we, is obviously similar to what we saw on Terra, but also just very compatible with the whole entire EVM ecosystem. Uh, the whole uh, the whole ethos of decentralization is something that's very important to us, uh, something that's very important to a lot of Ethereum fans and, and Polygon fans. And so I'm sure we will we'll see a great integration and a great cultural fit moving forward here. I do want to ask you as well, because you mentioned metaverse integrations. Where is Dystope AI right now? Because I know you guys had the defenders in at least one metaverse. Uh, could you give an outline, of, if, if possible, of some of the projects you were potentially looking to integrate with? Yeah, for sure. Like, we're still very close to Lunaverse, um, uh, who are still like our, our preferred partners moving mm-hmm. forward initially. Um, but yeah, the, the great strength of polygon is just how many metaverse players there are so yeah i think initially it'll look like doing ar scavenger hunts and ar focus competitions which are what we're going to do before the migration uh and then post the migration looking to release some more alpha about that but right now it's still working um with with previous partners on the metaverse and a couple of other new ones but can't can't say too much right now all right that's Totally understand, but I love to hear it. We're just <laughs> heading to our we're heading to our wrapping up questions here, and I want to ask you because it has been a very project defining last few months. It's been a an experience I don't think we'll hopefully ever have to go through again. So, what has been the most important lesson that you've learned as a project leader throughout all of this mayhem? Yeah, I think just the value of communicating clearly. Uh, and you know with kindness as well so both internally and externally like we were so lucky to have community support us and that was only because of clear communication from us but also from them like you know making sure that we answered the questions that came up you know regularly making sure that you know if we sensed any pain points or particular worries that we could address them Um, so really listening when communicating and doing that regularly to build trust was a huge thing i think um you know despite talking a lot about you know trustless uh systems and so on trust is such 
a valuable currency and such a valuable thing uh, in the space and in communities. Um, and so, yeah, it never underestimates the power of, of trust and the value of having a trusting, passionate community is definitely the most important lesson we learned. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that even extends to the team. Like we have been using this time to clean up our internal processes, um, sort of get a, you know, really clean, sharp notion that we're using with our moderators who are just absolute jets, um, you know, doing all our finance and legal stuff, just getting that all sorted. Because, you know, one of the crazy things about the crash, <laughs> you know, it wasn't just the crash. It's like, oh, shit, what are the tax implications? Right. You know, <laughs> like, so just getting these things sorted just because the crypto world is volatile, NFT world is volatile, but, you know, there are things you can definitely do to help um, ease that. And, you know, having a trusting community is one. Making sure you're listening and engaging and communicating properly is another. But then so are these little invisible things like, uh, you know, finance, legal, uh, notion, discord sort of set up. Um, they all sort of, they're all enablers, I think, to, to help you do some cool things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure after the fact, just going through and trying to figure out okay, what, how do you take a loss on <laughs> Luna yeah. Classic, what used to be called Luna, and now there's a second Luna? I mean, those are all, those are all questions or, or the legal implications, um, further accounting implications, and then just looking at business operations going forward. I will say you also mentioned Notion, and I had never touched Notion before, before joining the GravityDAO team, and I was a huge skeptic when I first looked at it. I'm like, there's no way this is going to be better for my workflow. And within two days, I was basically spending my entire time <laughs> checking boxes <laughs> on there. Uh, it, it is a really neat tool, and um, I don't know. I don't know why I'm going off on Notion. I'm a big Notion fan, though. Is 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 my point here? So good. So it is, good. It is very good. Uh, just yeah, that, that is a great lesson, though. Clear communication, being able to speak to your audience, being able to just give a, a general message, something that is going to be the same. It's going to stay on point. We saw with just everything coming out after the terror collapse between accusations of random financial organizations or that. They're going to start burning it or whatever got thrown out there. There was, it was very tough to get good, solid messages. And I, I think the projects that were able to then break through and say, okay, everyone calm down. We're going to do this. We're going to rebuild. We're going to do it in a succinct manner. We're not going to panic. We're just going to slowly come back out of that. I think that is, that is a wonderful learning experience. And uh, we'll, we'll certainly... And, and as we're seeing now, we'll continue carrying over for the future of uh, Dystope AI's development. Uh, Devo, sure. I have my, my final question for you, and that is something more personality related, not crypto related, but we like to answer these just to get people to know you a little bit better outside of the Web3 world. And the question I have for you today is, what is your favorite sauce? Maybe your favorite dish with the sauce, but what is your favorite sauce? Oh... I don't want people to hate me because my answer might be controversial, but it's actually mayonnaise. Uh, and the reason being, you know, it can mellow out, um, you know, a harsher sauce. So, you know, I put mm-hmm. a bit of barbecue sauce on something uh, and then, you know, you want to mellow it out. The fat in the mayonnaise helps you do that. Uh, favorite dish, though, it doesn't really incorporate the, the sauce, you know, because it's, it's sushi, it's a lasagna as well. And, you know, I know in the US and like a few other countries, there's a lot of mayo on sushi. Not really a fan of that. Um, but uh, 
I like mayo on my hot dogs. I put mayo and barbecue sauce on my hot dogs. I like it. Uh, mayo, mayo and, and barbecue dogs. sauce. Yeah, man. That's what really? I said. I don't want people to hate me. <laughs> I've never heard of that. I just, <laughs> I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, mayo, mayo and barbecue sauce on fries. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, mayo and fries. Big, big, big mayo fan. guy. Yeah, yeah. And sriracha mayo. That's another hot tip. Sriracha uh, for all mayo. The listeners out there. Yeah, you know, yeah, the, yeah. The mayo they put on sushi is usually the spicy mayo. It's not traditional mayo. Unless, have you seen normal mayo on sushi? Yeah, for sure. Like that's it's, weird. They use cupie, <laughs> so it's like it's like a bit more mellow. It's not okay. as like, um, yeah, it, it's it's a bit more mellow tasting. I like when they, uh, you know, sort of is it flambe, but they sort of like sear the salmon. You know, they get that a bit like grill. And I think it's mayo that they're using when hmm. they like, you know, flame it or something. Um, but yeah, a big mayo guy. How about you? <laughs> My favorite sauce. I have a lot of favorite sauces because, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big sushi guy, so I love soy sauce. Mm. Uh, I love basically all general Asian cuisine. I'm not a picky eater is where I'm going to go with this. I love barbecue sauce. <laughs> yeah. I like really spicy sriracha sauce, really spicy barbecue sauce. I'm a huge ketchup fan. I, you know, I could keep just listing sauces, and I, <laughs> I will eat literally anything you put in front of me. I am not a picky eater. I love eating cuisine that is not uh, usually found in the U.S. I will just literally anything. I'm uh, pretty adventurous when it comes to food, so it's tough for me to pinpoint that down. Uh, yeah, thank you for answering that. <laughs> if everyone will now know the versatility of mayo, that that's one of the big takeaways of this as well. Make sure to Amazing. try out some mayo on on different dishes. You'll never know what you find, and I might have to try mayo on hot dogs. I might be people might give me a few looks, but I, I think that's what I'm gonna try from uh, next time I have a hot dog. <laughs> Just doing my bit, man. Just want to yeah, spread the go. good news. Spreading know? the word yeah. right here. This is a good man. <laughs> All right, Deva, we're, uh, we're heading to the, the final minutes here, final seconds. I just want to make sure you have a chance to pay, maybe put any concluding thoughts here, as well as where should people go to learn more about yourself and Dystope AI and the team and everything you guys are building? Yeah, for sure. Um, so our website, Dystope AI, D-Y-S-T-O-P-A-I dot I-O, uh, sort of has all of, the, all of the relevant sort of information about our project, links to the Twitter where we post with giveaways, as well as our Discord. So you can come in, ask any questions you want. If you want to nerd out about AI, we've got Mikachu, the other founder for that. If you want to nerd out about storytelling and lore, uh, you know, random crypto stuff, we're all there for that. Um, so definitely just come come follow us. We're doing a lot more giveaways uh, the next month as we're ramping up to migration. So definitely come through. Perfect. And to anyone listening or watching, that information will be all down in the show notes. Devo, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the State of NFTERRA. And we look forward to following how Dystope AI continues to rebuild and push forward. 